Hello. Hello. I love the background. <laughs> Baby Yoda. Hello. Oh my gosh, I've got so many polos, it's ridiculous. Well, you started it. I did. Like, all right, I guess I'll be done being a diva. So. <laughs> I've been like, lies. You sit on the throne of lies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Carl, send Eric the number. He doesn't have it. Uh, Carl is not here right now. I'll send it on the uh, five guys oh. number. Who's in what? Carl's spot? I see his star. No, he went to go get water. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I was actually oh on the phone with Eric. There he is. I found I found it. Yay! <laughs> and I'm the center going. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> Welcome to Five Guys and the Bible, a weekly podcast where five guys from around the country dig deep into the scriptures and talk about how it relates to life. Thanks for listening and always be blessed. All right. Welcome to another episode of Five Guys in the Bible. Uh, today I get to host and. Uh, we are going to talk about the armor of God. Now, we're going to, there's a lot we could talk about each individual piece. So we're going to break it down in individual pieces. I'm going to start us out with a prayer. Um, I'm actually going to change it a little bit uh, in terms of the prayer. I'm going to pray something that me and my son pray uh, when we pray on the armor itself. So it helps him to remember and me to remember the different pieces of armor and what they do. So let's pray. Dear Lord, help me to prepare my spirit for today. Help me to resist temptation and to stand against the plans of the devil. Help me to remember my fight is not against my fellow man, but against the forces of the devil. Help me to stand in your presence and walk boldly in your will. Help me to remember your armor daily. Let, Lord, let me equip the belt of truth to protect me from the lies of darkness. Do not let me be vulnerable to the lies of the devil. Protect my heart from the wickedness of this world with the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. Let me stand on the promises in your word by equipping the boots of the gospel of peace. Let me rest in the grace of my soul being saved. Protect me with the shield of faith so that I will not doubt the truth of the Bible and the power and love of you. Protect me with the helmet of salvation so that I may remember I am set free from temptation and condemnation. Protect my mind and keep it focused on you. Help me to commit your word to my memory and to my heart so that I can strike against the evil of the devil and resist temptation. Help me to pray in the spirit always and at all times for everything, knowing that I am nothing without you. Keep my heart and mind pure and focused only on your love and will. Help me to speak or help me to seek your face as I set out to advance your kingdom and love others as you love me. Help me to speak only the words that you have given me in love. I pray that you light any darkness in me and separate it from me as the east is from the west. Lord, let me grow closer to you daily and anoint my head with oil, and ignite my spirit with an overflowing of the Holy Spirit. Let me be bold to proclaim your truth and move in your will. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to talk about another piece of the armor of God. Today we're going to talk about the breastplate. Now, I have been trying to figure out how to best discuss the breastplate because it you know it varies you know people in their heads have it uh have a visual of what they believe the armor look like you know um they look at the uh roman centurion armor where it's got the banded mail that goes all the way around the front and the back and historians have said that that is actually a romanticization of actual armor 
and that it was actually more of a heart guard, which is basically a, you know, a foot by foot piece of metal that covered the heart that had straps that went around the back and that it had no back. You know, in ancient times, the breastplate, you know, was called the heart guard for the, the Jewish people and, you know, the, the cheaper armor. Because the only thing that the armor, you know, the, the breastplate or the heart guard was designed to do was to stop direct attacks to the heart, you know, from, you know, uh, from direct attacks. The other pieces of the armor protected the other vital areas. And then the shield protected the heart from side attacks. So it kind of worked together as a system, right? Um, the heart guard had no rear armor. The back was exposed. Now, there are lots of reasons about that. But when I, when I looked it up, it was soldiers were to never retreat, ever. They were to never give ground, never go in reverse. They were to count and rely on their fellow soldiers to guide their backs. In times of difficult battles or when they were in conflict and advancing was no longer an option, when it was not an issue, they were told to stand. You know, we talk, we've talked about the blood rock before, that this is where I spill my blood. Yep. You can come this far, but no farther. That premises comes from... Uh, comes from that whole, you know, stand. And if you look in Ephesians 6, before you get anywhere in the armor, it talks about um, stand. You know, put on the armor of God so that you can stand. And it says it like three or four times. Stand. You know, the Lord knows, God knows, that we can't always advance. Sometimes the battle requires backup. Sometimes the battle requires timing. Sometimes the battle requires us to just not quit because God's got the rest of it. That's why there is no rear armor on that breastplate. God's armor has no backup because you are to stand knowing that your brother and God have your back. So um, I have <laughs> a quote that I want to read. Mark Twain made a quote, which is one of my favorite quotes. <laughs> Captain, Captain America stole it. And, uh, <laughs> but it is actually a Mark Twain quote. I want to read it for you. Uh, I adapted it for us. Uh, so here's the quote. Or it's not a quote, but an adaptation of the quote. Each of us must speak. It is a solemn responsibility that should not be supposed by the bullying of this fallen world, not the press, government, or politician. We must decide which hill we are willing to die on, which course is biblical, and which isn't. We cannot shirk this duty and be a follower of Christ. To decide against it is... Uh, to decide it against our beliefs is to be an unqualified and inexcusable traitor. Traitorous to both yourself and to God. Let men label you as they may. If you alone of all the nations stands for the faith in Jesus Christ, for what is right, you have done your duty to yourself and the faith. Hold your head up high, for you have nothing to be ashamed of. It doesn't matter what the press says. It doesn't matter what the politicians or the mobs say. It doesn't matter if the whole country decides that. Oh, I got to change the page. Something wrong is something right. We as soldiers in Christ have a foundational truth. The requirement that we stand up for what we believe in, no matter the odds or consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world 
tell you to move. Your job is to plant yourself like a tree besides the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. So, standing is an important part. The breastplate of righteousness protects that heart and it gives us the ability to take those front those frontal attacks head on and to not give any ground. But I'm interested as to what y'all think about the breastplate of righteousness. I talked about the, the, the design of the armor, but what do y'all think about righteousness? Why put the, you know, why is it called the breastplate of righteousness? And what does righteousness mean to you? Danny, we'll start with you. All right. So the righteousness part of it is Second Corinthians five twenty one. The righteousness that guards a believer's heart is the righteousness of Christ. So when I think of the breastplate covering the heart, uh, it's the most vulnerable area, right, of of a warrior's body. Right, you take out that, then you you're done. You're you've fallen in battle. Uh, so to cover the breast or to cover the uh, heart with the breastplate of righteousness, right? That that righteousness is one of our most vulnerable areas. Uh, and what I mean is, Satan attacks that, right? So you know, as men, we're plagued with. You know, the sins, what else but pride, lust, pornography, gluttony, all these things. But it's our, well, it's it's the knowledge that we have from Christ and the Holy Spirit and that righteousness that resides in our heart that will prevent us from falling to that sin sometimes. So, And we all fall, right? But it's that repentant nature. Guard our hearts with the breastplate of righteousness, we're, we're, we're using that vulnerability kind of to our advantage. Like we're protecting it, like saying, no, you're not getting here today. Right. But like you, like you were describing the armor with it being open to the back, we have to always face forward. Right. We have to face our demons, our enemies, right. Where the attacks are coming from. We can't shirk away from them because if we if we shirk, we're now exposing areas. And ah, just from a, a militaristic point of view, you know, I thought that's that kind of the way I look at it. I guess is is you just the heart is where we're the most vulnerable. That's where, well, uh, what part of the Bible says that a man's heart is wicked? Um, you know, we're just that's where it, where it comes from, like that that wanting to sin, right? That like, oh man, it just feels good, right? Well, no, we got to guard that. Like, we got to keep the sin out. So I said something. No, nope, keep going. Nope. If you were to say, say it. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you're on a roll. So, <laughs> um. Uh. So you know. I, to me, it's it's the armor that keeps you from going to the strip club, right? Like, it looks enticing and everything, and you're like, oh, no, I got my armor on. You know, but if I didn't wake up in the morning and put the armor on, right, like reading the Bible, getting in the Word, talking to my, my brothers about things that are I'm dealing with, then, yeah, I'm going to the strip club, you know, or I'm going to drink that fifth of Jack, you know. Uh <clears throat> and succumb to alcoholism, right, or drugs or whatever your sin of choice is, you know, whatever is most appealing to you. So that that armor to me is one of the most important pieces because you've got to guard your heart. You have to. That's where the Holy Spirit lives. That's, uh, uh, and why wouldn't you want to guard that Holy Spirit, right? So he resides in us. It makes sense. He lives in your heart. He doesn't live in my you know, kidney. So it's, you know, protection, right? 
I, I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I feel like I'm rambling. All right, Eric, your turn. Oh, well, first off, you know, righteous. How do you follow that up, right? Yeah, I know, man. Holy Spirit's That's... not the kidney. Got it. <laughs> 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 well, the, the, the interesting thing is, you know, if, if to say somebody's righteous, that means that they're in right standing with God. Okay. Um, righteousness is defined as the quality of being morally correct and justifiable. It can also be considered synonymous with rightness or being upright. Um, one of the, you know, I like the way Arthur, you put it, it was just like, you know, the breastplate of righteousness was, you know, just a piece that, that, that covered the heart area. Um, and Danny was on a roll with it. I thought he was going to steal my thunder, but you know, thank God he didn't. Um, I had to leave something for you. Yeah. You, 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 you had to, you had to leave me at least a, a scrap from the table of goodness that you, you had. Notes offline? I'm just wondering. <laughs> um, but you I'm know, that it, Amazon music. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when, but when you look at it in the Bible, the heart is referred to as, you know, it's in, in the old days, the seed of emotion was not the heart. Um, you know, the seed of emotion was, you know, at one point it was, it was deep down, it was the bowels. And, you know, we've got this, we've got this thing where, um, you probably, if you go to a church that's worth anything, they have altar calls and they're just like, would you like to ask Jesus into your heart? Well, first off, Jesus is no more interested in getting into your blood pumping muscle and watching the red blood cells go by. It's, it's because that is the seat of the emotion. And the Bible does say, you know, basically, and this is, this is going to be a paraphrase because I like, I like my paraphrase. Um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever your heart is full of, if your heart is full of self, then it's only going to speak itself. If your heart is full of good things, uh, noble things, honorable things, those things will come out of your mouth. If your heart is tainted with things of the world, the, the, um, you know, uh, you you brought up pornography okay so if 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 a man's heart is full of pornography then what's going to come out of his mouth is you know just perverted sexual references so it's really a good i mean it's a good analogy that hey the breastplate of righteousness back in the day was that like arthur described it was just that 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 metal or or really durable material that stopped attacks. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where I have to have to look at it and I have to say, you know what, you know, because the, because the Bible talks about, you know, heart condition, you know, um, you hear preachers today talk about the condition of your heart. Um, they're not talking medically and they're talking more on the spiritual plane. And it is very important to guard your heart, which I find, which I find kind of ironic because these two little holes right here, and I'm about to poke myself in the eyeballs. It's the stuff that goes in the, goes in your eyes, the stuff that goes in your ears filters its way down to your heart down into your soul and all the garbage and all the trash that you take in on a daily basis will eventually come out here, you know? So why would you not want to protect your heart? Because when you start, when you start spewing that, that, that vileness that has invaded your eyes, invaded your ears and, you know, 
they say that the, the longest road for any person to travel is 18 inches. It's 18 inches from your head to your heart. And you've got to, you've got to get your, you've got to get your head knowledge synced up. Yeah. Quit trying to measure it, Danny. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> Just trust me on this one. <laughs> um, but we've got, we've got to make that, we've got to bridge that gap of 18 inches because what our heart knows, we've got to get our head in line with that. We can believe a lot of stuff with, with our head. We can, I can believe that I'm Santa Claus, but it's going to take a long trip down 18 inches to get my heart to believe it. So the heart is a very vital organ. It's not only physically, but spiritually that, that heart is so important and it's gotta be protected. And unfortunately there's, there's a, I would, I would say that the majority of people, the majority of Christians don't realize that because they think that they can, they can go to church on Sunday. Oh, punch my time card, check that box. And then they can, they, they can be all spiritual and pious and gas bags and religious idiots and live like the devil Monday through Saturday. And eventually they're what they do, what they take in uh, throughout the week. Eventually that's going to come out and it's going to overrule all the good stuff that they get on Sundays, provided they get good stuff on Sundays. So, you know, that's my take on it. Yeah. You can't defeat full-time devils with part-time Christians. Yeah. Bingo. All right, Carl, what do you got? Okay. So part of me really wants to geek out, but I'm not. Uh, so righteousness. Sorry, before I actually get in about what righteousness. You say to, geek out with baby Yoda behind you. I know, okay. I know, I know. Um, all right. So. The breastplate of righteousness. So when Paul was writing at Ephesians fifty nine seventeen, uh, which talks about God, right? he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. So he references Isaiah when he's talking about the breastplate and the helmet. They kind of go together uh, because it's the two parts, right? If you get hit in the heart, the chest area, you're dead. Or if you get your head chopped off or your head damaged, you can't function either. Um, and so what we have here is we have to have an understanding of the Old Testament, uh, what it was righteousness in the Old Testament. And righteousness in the Old Testament is a, uh, you know, which is which all centered around God, right, is... Um, it's a God of righteousness who acts rightly in all of his works and judgment. We see that in Genesis, Deut Genesis 18.25, Deuteronomy 32.4, Psalms 11.7, Daniel 9.14. And so it's this Old Testament, that uh, concept of righteousness is God's judgment, and he's the one that judges. And we see that in this uh, in Isaiah, right? So you put on righteousness, so he's coming as, and he's going to attack, and he's going to to deal with our enemies, right? Um, but it's not enemies as in physical enemies, it's enemies of the soul. So this righteousness, so the breastplate of righteousness, it's, I think we need to have both an Old Testament and a New Testament concept. So when we put on the breastplate in the Old Testament concept and we think about it is that we're putting on with an understanding that we don't need to retreat, like Arthur was saying, because God is already going to be fighting those battles, right? And that spiritual battle, like he is that wrathful judge and he's going to fight like that. Now we're sinners. And so how do we protect ourselves? Because we should fall under wrath. 
And that's where the New Testament concept of righteousness is found in Jesus. And if we go to, uh, I like Romans 6, 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So we present ourselves as these instruments for righteousness, which are these instruments. And we have this New Testament concept of righteousness. And I want to make sure I have my notes here correct. Sorry. Um, and that's the purpose that Jesus is the promised Messiah and God's purpose of righteousness and salvation are spoken as centered in him because there's, we can't handle God's wrath. Jesus did. And that's that righteousness. So that is that sin that he took care of that sin so that we can have it, which, and then we go through. And so if you kind of merge both of them, um, kind of, I read this quote is that therefore, as in the old Testament, so also in the new Testament, God's righteousness, which expresses itself in wrath and judgment against unrepentant sinners triumphs through love in the form of salvation from sin for those who repent and claim God's covenant promise fulfilled in Christ. So when we put on the breastplate, we're putting on this acknowledgement that we understand uh, who's fighting for us, right? Uh, what's that song like, or, you know, like who can be against us, right? With God's for us. So we have this understanding that this battle is being fought by a, the God of righteousness, but we as Christians have already submitted into righteousness through Jesus, through our covenant, right? Through us accepting Christ. And so we don't need to retreat because we have that faith. We can stand. Uh, if you look at actually when it talks about righteousness and it talks about uh, like the Hebrew word, it means straight or right, right? So we're going to stand straight. We're going to be right. Uh, the Greek uh, when it comes into it is uh, referred to that, which is in accordance with law or social norm, right? And so it's something to do justice, to be just, to do the right thing, to justify. That is the thing. So, and we can do that because of the breastplate of righteousness, what, what we put on. And it's that understanding of who God is and then who Christ is in us and for us. So that's the, for me, when I read the breastplate, that's, that's where I went. I went to uh, try to find an Old Testament understanding and then two verses, uh, that verse in Isaiah, and then I love that verse in Romans when it talks about how we're supposed to present our bodies as not as unrighteous, but as of righteous. I like you know, the, the breastplate also uh, protects feelings, like friends protect feelings. By not sending polos, Eric. <laughs> Stop texting me. <laughs> you were trying to do a podcast, and y'all are saying you're sending polos back and forth. <laughs> no. You guys are just not paying attention. <laughs> All right. So, Carl, I love what you're talking about. So, let's, let's talk about how we be righteous in today's world because if we're going to put on that breastplate if we're going to put on that righteousness how what do we stand for what you know how does that relate to what we do today okay eric you and your goofy face you get oh hey, come on now no i they can't see you but i can what is what 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 do we stand for? We stand for what's right. I mean, you know, no matter what, no matter what it is, we're going to come into contact with things in this world where we have the opportunity to either sit down and shut up and suck it up, and um, you know, not not offend somebody, not break a rule or whatever, or we can take that opportunity that we have to stand up, nut up, be a man, and stand there and fight for what's right. Let you know. All right, hold on. And 
and that's I mean that's what we need to do. We need to be we need to be strong enough in ourselves and in Christ to be able to stand up against the nonsense and junk of the world. If that means that junk of the world has crept into, um, if junk of the world has crept into, for example, if junk of the world creeps into my church and the pastor starts talking stuff that's not, um, not scriptural and claiming it like it is, then it's my obligation to go to him privately and say, look, I don't agree with what you said. I really don't. Here's why I don't agree with what you said. Here's what the word says. Here's what you said. It doesn't line up. And that's where I think that, that we need to man up and be men about it. And, you know, for, for, for lack of better terms, we need to let our balls drop and be the be the men of God that we're supposed to be. So you got to stand up. You got to stand up and fight for what's right. And it's not what the Beastie Boys said. You got to fight for your right to party. You got to fight. For... <laughs> I was waiting yeah. for that reference. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm showing my age, okay? But anyway, um, we we just have to do that. We have to fight for what's right. And yeah, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us. But if we're not willing to lose everything for God, then there's a problem. That's my spiel. I like it. So I know that I have read most of you guys this before. It's the importance of standing, especially in today's world. Now, Carl. You are yes. editor, so if you want to keep <laughs> keep it in, I just I I want to pause because it has some not cussing, but it has some adult content. So here I will read it. All right, so beep. <laughs> beep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why does standing matter? Let's look at one of the biggest issues of today, abortion. In the past, it was whispered of and carried the element of shame. Society knew that it was murder. Then it was thought of with the tagline, safe, legal, and rare. Pro-life advocates were titled anti-choice instead of pro-life. Society gave ground. We took one step back. Maybe it's okay in cases of rape, incest, or the life of the mother. One more step back. Then, maybe during the first trimester. Then the second. Then the third. It is no longer rape, incest, or life of the mother. It is now for convenience. It's not phrased that way, of course. New York's law gives women's health a wider definition. It goes from emotional health, financial burden, uh, financial burden, on and on it goes. The slippery slope has become a free fall. We as a society are sacrificing our children. Where will it end? Today, when the media covers an abortion story, the numbers show that we ignore it. The ratings go down. We're no longer moved to action. We tune it out. I know where it will end. Let me tell you the story of Baby Nower. This story is tragic, but it is what we are running towards. A man petitioned Hitler to have his infant child killed after his child was born blind and deformed. Hitler sent his personal physician to assess the child and determine if it was, and these are actual quotes, unworthy of life. Carl Brandt decided the child should be, should die, and had the child killed. The child was five 
months old. 155 days. Soon after, the child killing program, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce in German, was implemented, which allowed due to due to uh, deformity or inconvenience death up until the age of 16, which began and led to the T4 program, which was to become called the Holocaust. All tragic events. But let's go back a little. After the death of baby Nauer was made public, the outcry was visceral. The German people resisted this decision, which caused the program to go underground for some time until Hitler became dictator and no government oversight or approval was needed. It was at that point when it became acceptable. Let that sink in. Just think about that. The German people were so outraged over the euthanasia of one infant, while our politicians decorate buildings with pink lights to support it. They celebrate the murder of babies en masse. This is where we are headed. That is why we must stand. We must act. We must, you know, what's the line from uh, uh, A Few Good Men? We must be the, we must act for those who cannot act for themselves. Yeah. We must be that voice. We must take that action. If the church, on, if the church remains silent and unmoving, 61 million lives have been lost. 46 years is too long for the church to stay silent. It's too long. That, and yes, I understand. And I'm going to give you a, an incredibly unpopular opinion. The church, if it organized and stood on the word of God, could stop abortion tomorrow. The problem is there's no money in stopping abortion. There's money in rallying against it. Pro-life organizations, I'm not a pro-life activist, by the way. I am an abolitionist. It needs to stop, period, end of story. Pro-life groups make money fighting against abortion causes, fighting against pro-choice. That's how they make money. If they ended it, that money would dry up. That is why they're not willing to take that stand where no abortion is ever acceptable, period, end of story. I was born with a birth defect. I was allergic to wheat, so they thought that I had MS. I don't know why those two have together, but that's the story my mom tells me. So they told her that maybe she should have the child aborted. And she said no. And I asked her why she said no. I said, wouldn't it be easier to just, you know, avoid all of that? I mean, granted, it wasn't. But her answer was simple. She says, when I take the choice to put my life over the child, I take away from the power and sovereignty of God. If I was supposed to be born, I would be born and nothing I could say or do against it. And the, the people that I, would, that I would impact would still be there. If she was supposed to die or something you know, like that, she would be taking away from the power and sovereignty of the Lord that he doesn't have something in control. So, all right, that's mine. Carl, your turn. No, I got something. Okay, go ahead, Danny. <laughs> so you know, you talk about the uh, the abortion thing, and that kid, it hits kind of not kind of it hits close to home, right? So for those that know uh, my first son, uh, he was diagnosed with anencephaly. It's a neurotube defect where his brain stem doesn't form all the way, and uh, uh, it has no quality of life. He's going to die. It's hundred percent mortality rate. Uh, as long as he is attached to the unbiblical cord, he is alive, right? Technically. Um, we were just out of the first trimester when they discovered this. 
and they, uh, they being the doctors at Fort Campbell, um, told me and my wife that we should consider aborting. And uh, of course, we don't believe in that. Uh, like you, Arthur, it needs to stop. Uh, although I did not know the term abolitionist. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and it, it, it was it was just kind of like that dawn breaker. Like, you know, the doc tells you there's no chance he's going to survive. Right? None. Zip, zero, zilch. And I'm sorry. I believe in miracles. You know, I believe in the power of God. I believe that he can heal anything. Um, now, he chose not to in our instance. But now looking back, I know why. Had we have aborted, that is a gift I would not have been given to know that pain and suffering and why I needed to be a better father. Because I would have been a horrible father. I already know it. The lifestyle I was leading uh, as an active duty soldier, my wife working in the hospital, the deployments, I would have been a horrible father. Uh, or at least a uh, uninvolved father, at the very minimal, at the very least. And so the abortion topic, uh, it hits home. There's a Ray Comfort uh, video, 180, and he actually talks about the comparison of the Holocaust and abortions. Um, you know, and, and Arthur, you're 100% correct, man. If we took a stand, uh, it could be over tomorrow. And I want to, you know, you, got, you can add that out if you don't believe it, but uh, I would encourage anyone listening to this podcast to take a stand against abortion when it comes time to vote know who you're voting for and never vote for someone who is pro-abortion that's my soapbox carl follow that carl yeah (laughs) no um how do we walk in righteousness? You know, we try to be it's walking as we grow in the likeness of Christ. Uh, so it's, you know, you being renewed in the image of God, uh, saint, there's, that's the word I'm looking for, the sanctification process as we're going, which isn't going to, you know, the sanctification is a process that ends when, uh, we go home, right? Uh, and that's when it ends and that's when we, but through that, so it's becomes righteous and actual moral character we become sanctified so it's being renewed in that image of god and it's doing those things it is making that stand Uh, we had that podcast where we kind of talked about righteous anger and it's like how are you going to deal with sin so you know going back to the abortion thing like so i've been going through the book of joshua lately and i love the story of jericho they all they did was walk around the city, right? They were given orders. They walked around the city because they knew that's what they needed to do. They blew trumpets. They did these things, and then on the, the there was time, right? And then on the seventh time, they blew trumpets and the walls crumbled, right? And burned, during that whole time, though, they were they had their saying. They they did yell. Where Joshua said to yell, right? We don't know, but can you imagine if you took believers a church? And they did a prayer walk. What would happen if a church or a group of believers walked around an abortion clinic for seven days praying? Would the walls crumble? I think they would. Right? Because it's, it, 
you're showing you're showing that faith you're going we don't need to bring a bulldozer we don't need to bring that, those walls whatever is going to happen something magical will happen right something awesome right i hate to use the word magical but so, uh, god will show up so what would happen but the thing is that it's going to be four days and then you're going to lose people right and then you might have one person who's going to be there and I think that one person that stays there the whole time, they're going to get tremendous blessing, right? Uh, but it's going to have, but if, but you need everybody, like you need that that input, like if it's going to happen. And so that is that standing up for faith, that's that walking in the Christ example. Um, so this being righteous, like for us, like how you act in it. So, uh, you know, we've been dealing with a bunch of issues with my daughter. Um, and uh you know some of it is uh self uh, you know her protecting herself kind of like law like like well it was against me and so she's defending herself because it's this uh, uh you know in her mind she feels justified and so we're kind of talking about like and she gets overly angry so we're just like when is it okay to be angry when is it okay so we kind of have been doing like these bible studies where we're talking about like uh that anger and so she'll get angry and then she believes that she has sinned so she gets bad at her and she gets mad at herself so it's just kind of this done but we're trying to tell her that it's okay to be angry anger is not the sin it's what you do with the anger right and so this righteous anger so as christians we need to be angry and i think that's the problem that's why I think righteousness is difficult for Christians because it means you need to get angry. Like you need to sit there and get pissed off. Like let's just say you have to, like you need to get angry at abortion. You need to get angry at sex trafficking. You need to get angry at these things and you need to do something about it. What happens is Christians don't want to get angry because angry means sin or the world says if you're an angry christian then you're the problem and yeah, we don't or, want or the whole you gotta love everybody everybody yeah, well, right love them and be angry no 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 that's not true you have to love them you have to accept what they're gonna do no i don't oh. i can love you and hate what you do yeah i can love you and be angry at you i mean if that wasn't true no parent loves their child because you have to be angry at them occasionally. Now I'm not talking beat them to senseless, but Correct. you have to Well, that's furious. That's getting furious. And then that's, that's letting the anger get out of, but you're going to have anger and anger is a natural. When a child is born, anger is actually the first emotion that they feel. Oh, the crying. So they, they were crying. Oh, yeah. They I were comfortable. Home. They were getting food. They were comfortable. It was awesome. You know, yeah. sometimes they had music playing, whatever, people talking to them. And then they get ripped up, spanked. They're crying. Anger's the first. They're not happy. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I feel is anger because I'm awake. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. There you go. But so walk as righteousness for us is being that Christ-like. And it is okay to get angry. Now, it's what you do with the anger. Now, anger, being angry is not the sin. It's what we do with it. Because the Bible has many times where people got angry. And, you know, God, God got angry. God did say, but they didn't sin. They had the anger and then they kind of do it. Man, look at some of the imprecatory Psalms, right? It's like, God, these people, I'm, I need, I'm angry and I need you to help me and fight for me and to defeat your foes. Like, I want you to go and kill your foes. Uh, when the, the sons of thunder, right, the brothers, right, when they went to it and they wanted to destroy the city, they got rebuked, but not in like, you guys are evil. Right. He just said, no, like, hey, all right, I'm glad you're angry about this city and you want to rain down. But no, we're going <laughs> or, to move on. Right. Or like or like Eric's favorite one. Jesus flipping temple or flipping tables in the temple. Yeah. But that's for me, that's righteousness. And that's what we need to do. And I think the breastplate helps us. Because it's that mindset of who we are putting on. So when we're putting on this armor, 
we're putting on Christ, right? We are putting on aspects of Christ, aspects of God on us, and we try to walk. It's not us. It's not anything. Uh, it, what we are putting on, these, and that's what we need to remember when we're putting on this armor, whatever it is, is these are all attributes that can be contributed to God, that can be contributed to Christ. And that kind of gets us in the, the right way, I guess, or the right uh, headspace to go do what we need to do. I like it. I like it. I like it. So good. I think we, we covered everything about the breastplate, you know, the, the, it, the emphasis on standing in a world that is unrighteous, that is evil, that is wicked, and how we stand against it, why we wear the breastplate to protect our heart and our emotions to keep us pure and holy and that we're putting on God and that we need to not be wimps. We need to plant our feet, like the, the quote that I read, plant our feet by the river of truth, look square into our enemies, and say, no, you move. So I like that. I'm just... Blood rock. All right. Nice. Eric, you want to close this in prayer? Sure. I'll close this in prayer. Right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this this time that you've allowed us to be together as, as the fi the five guys podcast, Lord, I, I just pray that the discussion that we've had about the breastplate of righteousness, father, God will, will sit in and echo in the ears and hearts of those who listen. And father God, I just pray that you will challenge through the words that were spoken in this podcast. Father God, just challenge people to get out of their comfort zone to get off the sidelines and to get into the battle because life is a battle and it's a battle for souls and father god i just i i, I thank you for the for the honesty and transparency that that my brothers have opened up and and, and shared in this podcast father god lord i just ask that you be with those who listen to this podcast those that that may just stumble upon it or those that it gets shared with father god be with them bless them and father god be with each of my brothers tonight and just give them strength give them courage and as always we just ask that you be glorified in jesus name amen amen Thank mm -hmm.